you know, I really, I really did start from the bottom, come, come up uh, in in the system, really. So, yeah, it was probably around fourteen, fifteen when I started to think, hang on a minute, I'm actually half decent at this. I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give it my all. I always enjoyed the sport, and I wanted to achieve as much as I could in the sport. But I think around that age, I really, truly believed in myself as much as the people around me did. What is it you did you find internally that gave you that belief that kind of kept you going? Because a lot of I know from from the from the boxing side of things that a lot of kids are really really good at like fourteen, fifteen, and then they fall off the wayside, and there's kind of like a little gap. And if you can get past that gap from like like fourteen to seventeen, eighteen, you know if you've got something because you know you, you've stuck at it, you've gone through all that times when you could have been out with girls, you could have been out doing this, you could have been out doing all the substances, all this other shit. You kind of have to avoid that stage. What is it that kept you motivated and kept you in the game? I think it was just my will to succeed and how much I wanted to achieve great things for myself, my family and all the people that had sacrificed to put me in a position where I am today. And I know how much my parents, for example, put in to get me to where I am. Like I'm finishing school at four o'clock. My mum's picking me up with food for me, a change of clothes for training I'm eating it on the way. I'm getting changed on the way to the gym. And I'm starting training at half four. She's picking me up at half eight. And then we're repeating that day in, day out. And without her doing that, I would never have been able to train the required hours to be to be someone that's competing for the national team. And I just felt like I owed it to, to those those people to give my all and not, not be half-hearted and not, not not kind of push in different directions and I always loved the sport as mu- as much as anyone did so yeah, yeah, yeah I was more than happy to put that hard work in so yeah I just enjoyed every moment do you think there's a lot of people that get into gymnastics that get pushed by their parents though that don't love it as much as you and, and then end up at the elite level, but not really loving it as well. Are there those type of people in gymnastics, or do you think, do you, or do you generally really have to love it to be at that level? I think you wouldn't be able to get to the top without inner drive. Um, like you, your family can motivate you, and that's that's kind of what mine did. They didn't ever push me do gymnastics, do gymnastics, do gymnastics. That always came from me. So they were happy to be a part of that journey and push me to do do what I wanted to do. But I know if it was the other way around and they were saying, Joe, go to the gym, I'd have never put the effort in when I was actually at the gym. So I'd have just been wasting hours of my day. Um, so I definitely don't think you can get to the top if it's not coming from you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, yeah, I've, I've kind of seen in other sports different, different sides of it. You see, I, I see the kids that have the talent that did love it. They really, really loved it, and then the parents pushed so hard. It kind of they're still talented and they can still do things at elite, elite level. But, but then their kind of passion and drives taken out of it because they think that because it's become about someone else and not about their own journey kind of thing so it's just it's, it's beautiful the way that your family have supported you and facilitated you to be able to do what you loved and made sure it's happened in that way do you know what i'm saying without being the 
the pushy parents you know you've seen you've seen them i'm sure you've seen i'm sure you've been to like watch youngsters at gymnastics and other competitions in other sports and seen those pushy parents i mean there might be some parents listening to this or people that have children listen to this podcast what is your advice to the 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 people that are parents that listen to this podcast on how they can facilitate their child doing what they're most passionate about and support that without being too aggressively pushy it's a tough one because i'm i'm not a parent and but i would definitely say you know you've got to let their passion be the the driving force you you are just accompanying them on the journey you can't be the the force that's pulling them along you've got to just be the assistant so if they want to go to the gym and you can take them to the gym take them to the gym you can't be the one saying you need to go to the gym let's go let's get in the car because they won't they won't actually give you the effort that that's required for them to achieve elite level sport and i just feel like without without having that inner drive then they're not going to achieve what you want them to achieve and your passion will be a detriment to their their success yeah because ultimately i feel that there's a lot of lot of youngsters out there in sport just doing it because they don't want to let their mum or their dad down mm. and it and i see it all the time and doesn't doesn't mean that they're not good they're not very good it just it just it's just upsetting because they could be good at something else they could be a good fucking piano player they could be some good at something completely fucking different but they're not allowed to express who they really are because they're trying to live up to this expectation. And it, it just it's just something I'm glad you've put some context around it because it, I think it could free a lot of people if they just realise, you know what, I'm good at this, but I could be very, very good at something I'm, I'm most passionate about. How have you kept, like, obviously you've been doing gymnastics now for how many years? Nearly 18 years, yeah. 18 years. How you, how have you kept that fire burning year after year after year after year to be to, to train at the relentless times? Because we were talking about your training before we before we sat down for this. It's like you're here for five days and you might get might get a weekend off. But it's like you train in the morning, then you have food, then you go back training in the afternoon, then you sleep. <laughs> it's like that's 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 fucking. How have you kept it going? How have you kept that drive? I've always got different goals, so I didn't realise this till I started doing psychology, but I've got outcome goals, which are like what I want from certain competitions, where I want to place. And then I've got process goals, which are more based on how I want to get there, um, the obstacles I'll tackle to get to those outcome goals. And I feel like I've always subconsciously used that to to better myself and continue over the years so I've always had that end goal of wanting to become an Olympian Um, and then once I did that I felt like I was stood on top of the mountain thinking what's next what do I do now made the Olympic final I feel like I've gone one step above that now I'm on I'm on the top of I'm on the top of the ladder I've got one level to go I want to be an Olympic medalist so I'm looking at the top I didn't quite make it, so if, at the time it felt like I'd fell down that ladder. I fell down that ladder and I, I was looking at this ladder again thinking I've got a long way to go to get back to where I was. Um, and that was quite daunting, 
That was quite daunting at the time, but I took a step back and looked at every obstacle I've tackled over the over the years, year in, year out, ankle surgeries, dislocations, um, you know, fingers, all sorts, broken elbows, and it gave me a, a second to just appreciate the the journey I've been on and and that five year old Joe Fraser wouldn't believe the the things he's achieved over the last eighteen years. So I'm just ta- I've taken a second to be proud of myself. Um and that's kind of how I've kept motivated. I've just looked at what I've done and then gone, Okay, I've done that. That's amazing. My next goal is this. Rather than forgetting everything I've done and just moving on to the next target, next target, next target, next target. I've tried to yeah. re evaluate myself and look back and appreciate those those positive moments. I fully resonate with what you just said there because there's been many times in my life and from the outside looking in, people say, Frankie, you've achieved this, you've achieved that, you've achieved this. And I never personally saw it. So I was always pursuing these goals, 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 more goals. But I was never celebrating the little wins on the way. How important is it then to celebrate these little wins and how do you celebrate them? I think they're the, one of the most important things in sport, well, in life. Because if you don't, if you don't appreciate the little things, how can you appreciate the big things? Because you'll just move past that and look on the next big thing what's next, what's next. And I felt like there was a period of my career where I was daunted because I'd achieved something and I was thinking, okay, I've got to do better than that next time. How am I going to do that? So I was a bit worried. That's a lot of internal pressure, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Do you think think the majority of people in life, whether they're a professional athlete or whether they're just trying to achieve things in life in general, like whether whether it be an entrepreneurship goal or whether it be any goal, do you think a lot of people are, have got this internal dialect where they're kind of like fighting themselves it, to 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 a certain extent to kind of to, oh, I've got to up that and one up that and one up that because it's when I started this podcast, mate, similar thing. It's like you book a bigger big guest and you've got to go bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and then I realised no 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 one are you enjoying it and two you know are they people you want to talk to? It's not about bigger all the time. It's like, do you want to, do you want to have the conversation with these people? It's like, just do that. Just enjoy that. Is that something that's kind of like come out with you? 100%. Like I've always tried to enjoy the journey as much as I can. And like I say, this sport for me has changed my life and I I love every single part of it from throwing myself on a high bar to being scared to try a triple front on the trampoline. So for me, I just, I've enjoyed my journey and that's that's the main thing that's kept me pushing over the years. Do you ever think do you ever worry about what comes after you've done done it all and after gymnastics? Um I feel very lucky and privileged that I've had people before me that have have been through those kind of transitions that post well post sport transition. Um, so I've spoken to people that have retired from gymnastics and other sports and how they felt and what they tried to do to keep themselves motivated Um, because we all know how hard it is being so zoned into something and then all of a sudden you've stopped doing it. It's quite 
it's quite daunting really um, and like I say I've been doing it for 18 years so for me to just stop doing gymnastics all of a sudden that will really take a toll on myself so I've I've definitely thought about it and things I want to do you know gymnastics like I say is it's been my life so I think I'll always want to be a part of that whether that's inspiring the next generation starting my own gym um, whatever it whatever it takes really I just I think I will always want to be a part of that journey um, I'm definitely looking outside of the gym because there's so many things in the world that I want to try and experience so you know I know my life is bigger than that I've always said that I want to find what's what Joe Fraser the person is like rather than Joe Fraser the gymnast yeah I love that yeah yeah, yeah. So, so, so you kind of seeking to know to understand more about who you are outside of the gymnastics itself definitely and me and my friends we always try we're a very competitive group of course but we're always trying new things you know we we like to go to the golf the local golf club and have a have a few attempts there we're not very good (laughs) we're not very good but we'll have a do and enjoy it while we do it so yeah it's good but like the the what what do you kind of see yourself i mean do you think you can there's so much you learn from the mindset of being an athlete right that, that you can take and apply and win with in life in general and business in general if you can if you can transfer it mm. is there any facilitation for like the 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 transfer of skills from like the obviously as from the England camp and the GB camp and all that stuff that you go through from that to to civvy life so to speak after a sport is there is there facilitation for that for that trans that that transfer or how does that work? So we've got an amazing team called the English Institute of Sport and we've got perform a performance lifestyle um manager that we can speak to on a daily basis or a weekly basis just talking about things we want to do at the moment things we want to do after sport um courses we might want to do like just in the meantime just to set us up for that that moment when we do eventually retire from from the sport and as a 15 16 year old I was thinking well I'll just do gymnastics until I can't do it anymore so I might be 60 when I stop doing it. But I think now I've got a bit older, I've realised, you know, this this sport, I I can't do it forever. As much as I love it, I won't be able to. And there's much more to me than just gymnastics. Do you you roughly know a shelf life of 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 a of a gymnast for for your age group and for what you, for how you perform high bars and all that? What's what's kind of the cut-off age? Um well, we've seen people go until their 40s and 50s but for me I'd I'd like to do a a couple more Olympics a couple more so maybe two maybe three we'll see um it depends how the body holds up really (laughs) yeah that's that's what I mean though you're putting so much through that body so I mean how old are you now I'm 23 23 so yeah I reckon I mean who's who's been the oldest high bars for for as a UK athlete English athlete. Oh, maybe maybe twenty eight, around twenty eight. Christian Thomas probably. Yeah. Just just looking, and he just looked after himself. Like must have looked after himself immaculately to do that. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, like I say, I'm just I'm doing what I can now and looking after my body and doing prehab rather than rehab because we always wanted we would rather do prehab than rehab. So, 
yeah, I'm just trying to look after all of my joints and how and can, how, how can the how can the how can the everyday person that listens to this podcast put in some some of this prehab into their daily life in terms of is, are you just talking about is there any like simple stretches and things like that is it just simple stretches and stuff like that that people can put in so that they have more longevity yeah for sure so with gymnastics you know there's certain there's certain things that we do that put a lot of stress on certain parts of the body so rings is very much shoulders based so we we may have a tendency to get a shoulder injury so there's shoulder prehab that we can do that might be elastics um things like that that just act- activate the shoulders before we might do the rings so that we're giving ourselves an opportunity to be ec- more warmed up than we usually might be um so it's definitely definitely possible to for the everyday person to do that you know people just all of a sudden go on a run but why why don't you warm up your ankles first and prepare your body for for that five ten k run that you're about to do? Yeah, I, I know, and it it always baffles me because I, obviously being around the boxing gyms that I've been around and seeing how the lads warm up and stuff like that, and how important it is to stretch and stuff, it's like it's, it's not been lost on me at all. But then I see matey down the road, and he's he's he, he put he he gets home from his nine to five, he puts on his shoes. And his socks and his Nike shock socks and he go he goes for a run down the road for like ten, fifteen K and thinks nothing of it and comes home and he's got a sweat on and that's great and he thinks he's done no damage. But every like you say, with the ankle and everything, all the stability and all the all the ligaments and everything like that, you need to you need to kinda of get that. You need to kinda of prepare that, make it palliable or however you say that word. But like pliable so you can go and action that run, you know, so you can literally save yourself the problem that if you do slightly go over on the ankle you're not going to absolutely do tears and damage and stuff Uh, i'm sure you've seen it firsthand is there any incidences where you've kind of not done that prehab and and then got injured and and known exactly why it's happened because of that yeah definitely so personally you know i've dislocated my ankle before and it was because my ankle rolled off the end of a mat um and it was a dismount i didn't actually need to do at the time i was feeling like I wasn't as fit as I needed to be and I was trying to push myself to get fit quicker. Um, so, you know, if, I, if I'd if i have just taken my time and, you know, prepared my body in in the due time that I needed to, maybe that wouldn't have happened. You know, it's it's hindsight, of course. We, we, we're sat here talking about it now and if, if I'd have landed that dismount perfectly, I'd have never thought anything of it. But it's just because that one time I actually did hurt myself I now think about these kind of things and I try and make it so in the future I can minimize the risk of injury in different different situations and I suppose as you get older as an athlete you you teach yourself how to how to correct th- things you can I'm sure you can feel things in the air that you, where you need to oh I need an extra quarter of a turn there or a point five of a turn to be able to land that better or there's um, there's ways to roll out of landings and all sorts of stuff I'm sure you pick up tricks along the way to kind of avoid these things when things inevitably do go wrong in that in that sport because when you're hitting something at such a pace and then coming off it at such a pace naturally you're not going to be able to land clean every time right. Exactly that. So that's one of the main reasons we do so much training in the gym because we want to be so spatially aware that we can get out of dangerous or dodgy situations if we need to. Um, like you say, I might be three meters in the air, 
but I like to think I know where, where I am in the air and I'll be able to stick that landing. So I, I've done numerous amounts of somersaults over the years with numerous amounts of twists, and that's just so that I know, okay, I'm a little bit slower in rotation here. I'm going to have to tuck a little bit harder or or I'm going to have to roll out of the landing or, like you say, so you, a, a lot of it is spatial awareness and that's why you have to do so many numbers so you are prepared so you've caught the bar here 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 so you know how it will be when you're coming out on the other side is there is there plenty of times you've gone through on this on this whole gymnastics journey where it would have been easy to to quit and roll out of roll out the sport in terms of like do you know what like this is not for me i think because i've always enjoyed it so much I'd have found it really hard to stop at any point. And I always wanted to achieve something else. And I, I always pushed for the next target or the, the next goal, whatever that may be. Maybe that was coming back from the ankle surgery or doing a one-legged jump that was a metre high or something like that. It didn't really matter what it was. It was just that sense of progression and I always was seeking it so I think maybe if I'd have found something else maybe I, maybe that would have been something I'd have tried to progress but I've always loved this sport so much that I just wanted to achieve more in it the thing I've noticed about you and from from speaking to other people about you right is the fact of I noticed on social media and everything like that I'm thinking fuck me this guy's always positive he's always smiling he's always happy <laughs> And I asked a few people, like, you know, Joe's such a positive guy, like, everything like this. Has he always been like that? And they, and they all say the same thing. They all say, like, you've always had that positive edge and that and that mindset and that smile on your face, even when things are going against you. How have you kept that? And how, and how can everyone else that goes through different adversities in life get that within them? I just... I just try and see the cup as half full and I just, I don't know, I've just always enjoyed doing that. You know, like I had a week off training recently. I'm sure we'll get into that in a bit, but the lads, the first day I got back in, the lads say, oh, Joe, we needed you this week. Like the energy has been low in here. I said, all right, lads, then let's get, let's get it moving. Like it's all right. We, we'll start again today. And that for me knowing that I make that positive energy change in the gym and give them an extra push just just because of my my presence that really makes me happy and wants to give them even more and I feel like because we're working together I'll give it out they'll give it back to me it's kind of like tennis like there's there's my positive energy and they'll return it back and then I'll feel good and we, we can achieve more from that together I think being on your own is harder when when I'm training on my own. It's not often, but it's always harder to then push yourself because you've got to find that from within. Um, And although I am very positive, it's definitely, I find it harder to do. Do you find it hard to find it from within then when you get out in front in these competitions? Um. Because you stood on some of the world's biggest stages in front of tens of thousands of people, right? Yeah. And it's it when you when you're stood there and you know you're just about to go and launch yourself onto these bars or whatever you, whatever piece of apparatus you're going into, 
and you know that you've worked 10 years for this fucking moment there's a lot of fucking there's a lot in that there's a lot of feeling in that how do you control that inner voice within yourself right then so i've got i've got a way of doing that i always say to myself you've worked 10 years for this you've worked 15 years for this enjoy it you know you don't have these opportunities often regardless whether you make a mistake it goes perfectly just enjoy it what do you, what can you smell what can you feel what can you hear and i try and be so present in that moment because i know over the years i've probably been on major stages a, a handful of times so you want to be able to look back on every single one of those and and think yeah i love that even though i made that mistake it was great to be out there in front of my friends and family and that's that's one of the things that makes me less nervous at competitions some i guess it's the way you you view it some people will look at it and go i've worked 15 years for this i can't put a foot wrong but i just see it as i've worked 15 years for this let me enjoy it and then if things go wrong you know what they've gone wrong i've do, i've done everything i could yeah cuz you cuz you know that you've never missed a training session or or, or missed a strength session or it's this other stuff because you know every every athlete knows that they've whether they've put it all in or not put it all in and that's something as well that a lot of people i think find it hard to deal with you know they might have put it put it in real hard in the early days and then they might have took their foot off the gas a little bit later down the track and then they have to live with it you know i just think you have to be relentless right the way through and it's it's, it's fucking hard to do to be fair but like you you have done that but do you ever get to the point where you think to yourself do you know what you're enjoying it so you're enjoying it so much you kind of you kind of think oh get serious a minute like i've got to bring it back here do you know what i'm saying because you're embracing everything a bit too much you could do but i feel like every single event that i do so we've got six floor pommel horse rings vault parallel bars and high bar i have a different mindset for each event so the floor, I'm quite a bouncy kid when I've got a bit of adrenaline. So my coach always tells me, calm, nice and calm. He always says, use your moguls. Because I, when you're skiing, you, you know when they like skiing down the, yeah, the, the yeah, slopes. Yeah. So that's what he says to me, use your moguls when I'm trying to land. Like embrace the floor, take it all in. Soften um, the landing. Exactly. So I'm not jumping around. Um, for pommel, I'm always, he's always telling me, nice and calm. Just swing as wide as you can. Because we know that when I swing wide, I'm not I'm not tight. I'm not making mistakes. So I try and relax for pommel. Rings, that's when he tells me, turn into the beast. You know, get that adrenaline. You know, use that strength. And that's why I'll be able to hold a cross. Why I'll be able to hold these positions. Because... Is, you, is your favourite... Is your favourite skill the one that you've become the best at? It is, but I love high bar as well. So I'm, I'm great at parallel bars, and I'm great great at high bar. So I love those equally, and but for different. Some reasons. of your videos scare the fuck out of me. <laughs> Some of them scare me. <laughs> nah, <they don't> really. <laughs> Honestly, I was watching them on Instagram the other day, and I was like, mate, I don't think I fancy it. <laughs> really, like, nah, you don't have <laughs> you know, you, do, you know when you get up, you know when you do that double swing over the top, and then you do, and then you do a spin as you come off, and you, and you, mate, I'm like, 
No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mate, it's some serious stuff. But so, so yeah, you're saying you, you ultimately, right, if you have a choice out of the two, Olympic or double Olympic champion, of which one would it be? My favourite one to win would be the all around. So that's all six events. Um, just put together a bit like the decathlon right okay and my dad always calls it the daily thompson of gymnastics because you know you've got to go across all six events you keep your nerve for six different times through for a competition and is that is that is that scored differently then to the separate events then so so you can have a bit less of a score on the pommel horse in that event than you would have to have to win the pommel outright right yeah definitely so the all around you are counting Every routine you do across the six events. On the pommel horse, it's just your pommel horse routine. So, you know, you, you're going to get the best eight in the world at pommel on that day. So putting one foot wrong, you won't make the final. Whereas in the all-around, if you make a mistake on pommel, you might make it up on vault, which counters it a bit. So that's why the all-around is so exciting, because throughout the competition, you'll see the scoreboard change so much, because you don't know who... Yeah, yeah. Some people might be better at vault than the others, and then before you know it, high bar people come in. So, so what, it's very what, exciting. What, what is the one piece, then, you've had to work the hardest at to get consistent at? Probably floor or vault. Um, in handstand and stuff, I'm I'm quite good. That's why the the other four events they work well for me, but things like that involve my legs. <laughs> I I've often struggled with compared to some of my teammates who are just bouncy as hell. So you know I've I've been lucky enough to train with them and try and you know get some tips off them what what works for them and trying to use that to better myself. Because in gymnastics is is it's, it's about being bouncy, but it's about landing softly, isn't it? Because you got you got to you got to literally become the. F- I can't. I'm probably doing this a disservice in the way that I describe it. But when I see you guys dismount and land, it's like you and the floor become one, and it's not. It's not very like in, not like in a pool in a situation with a diver that where they where they don't where they make little splash. It's like yeah. that when you land. It's it's a, re- it's a real fine art, isn't it? Because if you oh, step yeah. slightly off the line, you lose part of the mark, don't you? When you dismount, say on a vault or something like that, when you step off the line. Yeah, so on vault there are there are lines. So you, if you step across them, you'll lose extra extra tenths, which ultimately means less medals or a lower mark, which then will mean you might be out of the medals. So it's every time you are doing a routine, you're always thinking of those small one percenters that could give you the edge on the next person. Do you, do you do you have you been a big believer through your life of, of of vision boards of manifesting stuff into your life on on attracting things into it? Yeah, definitely. Like my coach in 2017, he made me write out my routines that I wanted for the Olympics in 2020, and I was 18 at the time and thinking. That's a long way away. Why are we doing this? Like, this is a bit crazy. And he made me think big. What did I really believe would be what I needed to achieve the goals I wanted? So we we wrote out these routines and then he showed me the ones he thought I should be doing. And it made me realise 
how big his belief in me was compared to what I believed in myself was. And then I found a medium. And before before I knew it, I was doing those routines without realising I was doing those routines. And that's that's how I became world champion in 2019. In, tw- in the beginning of the year, I was doing much more minimal routines and I came fourth in the all around at the Europeans and I thought oh, I don't want that to happen again because it was so close I don't want that to happen again I'm going to up my game I'm just going to take the risk because risk comes reward and I believe in myself so let's make the routines harder and as we did that it gave me much more margin to be successful and before I knew it, I'd won that world championship on on the parallel bars so I feel like if I hadn't have came forth and if I'd have won say that Europeans I wouldn't have then changed my routines because I'd have thought that's enough but I didn't think that was enough because I didn't come first it's it's quite crazy how yeah, the brain works yeah, yeah. really and the perception of the perception of sport do you ever sit there before a competition and just like shut your eyes and kind of visualise not only all the hard work that you've put into the training to get there but like everything that's going to happen when you walk out walk out of the arena no walk out into the arena yeah into, oh. to compete that's that's when I get excited so I I've trained I'll be in the back gym warming up and maybe I'll feel tired because we've done four days of competition and I'm not really feeling up to it and then I'll walk out and then I'm like, you know what, let's do it. Let's do, turn it do, on. Do you, you visualise that? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely, I'll go, before I go to sleep, I visualise the routines that I want to do um, that, that next day and how I vision them to go. And I feel like that really helps me. I've, do, I've done it since I was a kid. I didn't even realise it was like a thing. I just did, just did it. So, so, so you've been visualising since you were... Uh, literally day day dot kind of thing and you didn't it's, it's something that you've been brought up with but you didn't know so you, you've probably attracted everything that you've got into your life just by just by constantly visualizing bigger things for yourself and then letting it letting the letting the universe do its thing but you've probably not even it's probably not even dawned on you until later on down the track is that what you're saying yeah like i didn't know there was such a thing as visualization until I was a bit older, like as far back as I remember, I would before I'd go to sleep the night before, it was just kind of routine for me. I'd just go through my routines and how I how I wanted them to go and how I visioned them going. And then it was I was I found it quite strange that it was actually a thing that people other people do. I just thought it was just one of my things that I did before I prepared for a competition. So it it made me feel like I was I was one step ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you, you'd already living it in your mind before it's living in reality. Mm. But what, what a lot of people don't understand is that everything that you have in your reality, you've had to live in your mind at, at one point in time before it's come, you, become your reality. Mm. It couldn't be your reality without you first thinking about it in 99% of cases like you just kind of do you know what I'm saying there's a, a lot of people that go through bad things that happen in their life whether they like it or not and if they but if they do accept true responsibility for everything that happens to them you've attracted that to yourself 
it's, yeah. it, it, it's literally it literally is that true and we you can read countless of books and studies on it but it's it's like there was um there was a study by dr dr joe Dispenza where he got a group of athletes like yourselves in a room and they they were worried that if they're in this room for a week and they hadn't trained that they'd lose muscle mass so while he had them in the room for a week he got them to visualize training not not ever train just visualize bicep curls visualize the contraction of the muscle visualize the pull-ups visualize the leg press visualize everything that they would do they visualized it and they intently visualized it and they not only did they visualize it but they believed that they were there and they felt it all right at the end of the week they tested their muscle their muscle muscle mass had grown <laughs> so it's like it's like that just proves straight away and there's so many studies like this where people the power of your mind you don't know how powerful it is so you've got to know you got to know how to use it not only for you but not against you i think there's a lot of people that have, have used their mind against them to disempower them from in from your years and years and years of experience at a high level what have you found like the best ways to get the most and the best out of your mind at all times in order to keep it free so you can go and execute on what you need to execute on? I always, when I'm in the gym, I'm in the gym. I'm not on my phone talking to my girlfriend or my family or whatever. It's it's gymnastic stuff. Maybe I'm filming stuff, but it's gymnastics and I'm just, I'm present. I'm in that moment. So, you know, I, I'm always thinking about gymnastics when I'm there. When I'm when I'm out, I'm trying to think of everything but gymnastics. I'm trying to leave that in the gym. So that's kind of how I separate my mind into the the two different parts of my life, really. But how would how would how does Joe Fraser react when him and his girlfriend have had an argument? He goes. He's got to go now in the gym, gym for four hours. But he's just had an argument an hour before. I'm just just hypothetically yeah, yeah. speaking. I'm not saying this happened, but like things happen to people in life. How do? It, are you saying then by by getting yourself to be present in where you are at the time by doing that and making that your habit? Are you are you then saying that? Even though you've had that argument over there, when you walk in that gym, because that habit is set in your mind and you've set it so many times, you go onto autopilot and you snap into Joe Fraser, the gymnast, in that environment. To the best of my ability, I would do that. And of course, certain situations will affect you more than others. You know, like loads of things could happen to you just before you're walking into the gym or you're walking into work, which is going to affect you throughout that day. But to the best of my ability, when I'm in that gym, I'm just, I'm doing gym. And, you know, my ev- my people around me will know that. So, you know, I'm, I'm just trying, I try and be present and enjoy, enjoy those moments that I get. You know, I, I know I won't be able to do this forever. So every moment I get with my, with my teammates, my coach, and when I'm in that gym, I'm just gymming it up. Yeah. Do you know the thing I've noticed about about you com- that's completely like so regimented and so good is the fact of like the word presence has been mentioned so much in this conversation already. You like you're here right now, so you're 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 in podcast mode. You you are in a podcast. It's like when you're in the gym, you're in the gym. When you're at home, you're at home. You're with your family. I think 
so many of us can take so much of what you've just said there and apply it to our lives. Because how many times, as as uh, you guys listen to this podcast and, and me and you, how many times have we woken up in the morning and we look straight at our phone? And it's probably the worst fucking thing you can ever do. And I was reading something or listening to something on the way to, on the way to this podcast today. And this girl called Lauren lives in Dubai because she's a successful agency owner. And she was saying the most productive thing she's ever done is she'll... She she sets an alarm on her watch and she doesn't look at the phone in the morning. Like she wakes up in the first three or four hours of the day, she doesn't look at the phone. She just gets up and gets on with what she's got to get on with, and she's not looking at the fucking phone. Mm-hmm. And that allows her to execute on stuff. I think so many of us get dragged into the vortex since the rise of social media and obviously you building a following online and getting sponsorships with like Gymshark and other brands. So you get more and more and more attention. Is it something that you found hard to distinguish between, like, you know, keeping that keeping that solid footing that you've had since a child, but now you've got all this other all these other things that you have to do, as, you know, as part of brand deals, as part of this? Is it hard to systemize that? Um, I tr- I try to I try to work them together. Really, I'm I'm definitely guilty of waking up and first thing I do checking the phone and. I, I do think about it because my my teammate, who's my roommate, he leaves his phone at the other side of the the room. So for him to go and get his phone, he's got to get out of bed. But mine's on my bedside table, so the first thing I do, I just roll over and grab it. Yeah. And really, I should do exactly what he does and plug it in at the other side of the room. And I thought about it because I think, does he do that? Does he do that on purpose or? Is that something? Hundred percent, he does. Hundred you know, percent, he does. I'll you know, tell you straight now, he does. It's 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 very interesting, and like you say, with with my sponsors and the engagement I've built up over the years, trying to keep doing the gym focus as much as I can wasn't hard because I was just do it. I was just doing what I normally do with the support of these sponsors and things like that so one thing I've always tried to do is show the young athletes that I make mistakes I I fall on my face in that gym day in day out I sometimes won't hold positions long enough I I'll miss the bar when I'm trying to catch it and I think that's really important for the for the little kids growing up because other than football sport isn't really on the tv all the time so they don't get the opportunity to see us make mistakes footballers they'll they'll miss a shot and people will see that week in week out so it's not a surprise but because gymnastics is only on the tv europeans world championships olympics commonwealth games they only see us at peak um pinnacle form so they they don't see many mistakes So as a 14-year-old, when you're watching that TV, you're thinking, these guys never make mistakes. I'm never going to be one of these guys. And I want them to know, no, hang on. Day in, day out, I'm making those same mistakes you are. Just keep pushing and you can get to where you want to be. So that's why I feel like it's really important when I when I do post on social media, I, I keep a balance of yeah, you keep good things and... Bad things, I let them know, like, listen, I came last in my first national competition. Like, You can do anything you you want to if you work hard, push yourself, 
and go through go through what you've got to go through. When you came last in that first national competition, though, I'm sure you I'm sure you must have felt even though you came last, you were still in the national competition, right? Yeah. So you have to. So if you're if you're looking at it glass half full, you're like, well, I've got to national level, even though I'm not, even though I'm the last one on on the sink, I'm still one of the top X amount of gymnasts to be able to be even in this national competition, right? Yeah, definitely. But I was only nine years old. So my half full glass was not half full at that time. <laughs> it was very much half empty and I was <laughs> devastated and really upset with how that day had gone. But looking back, I know that I worked that that kind of made me want to work harder and want to push myself even more. And without that moment, I might not have become the world champion or I might not have made the national team. Did did you ever get like any bullying at school or anything like that over the gymnastics thing? And obviously, like because back in the day, I remember when there was young gymnastics. I was I was from the same town as Lewis Smith and similar age group. Growing up, he was a pommel horse pommel horse champion at, at different levels, represented the Olympics, GB, all that kind of stuff. And I think early early days, I think he even got a bit of stick back in the day. Is it something you faced? Um, I was one of the lucky ones really and I, it sounds bad that I say I was one of the lucky ones because I didn't um, so I, I know there's lots of situations where people have felt like they've been bullied or have been bullied in in school or throughout their life for doing gymnastics and that's one of the narratives I've tried to change and you know make people want to do it want to be involved in the sport and push themselves I went to a very sporting school which was Sandwell Academy, and it's opposite the West Brom football ground. Yeah. So in in my school years, when I was out doing gymnastics, a lot of my schoolmates were out with the academy for West Brom. So when I was back in school, we would talk about our experiences out of the school, and we kind of formed a real bond and you know appreciation for each other's sport, even though we didn't really understand it and. I didn't really know how football worked too much, really. They took the time to speak to me and wanted to understand my sport as much as I wanted to understand theirs. So I was really, I feel like I, I had a great experience throughout my childhood. Did, did a lot of your friends at, in your year group go and achieve a lot in other sports? From my school? Yeah. Yeah, so we've had numerous people from my school go on to be very successful you know, we've had numerous football players that play in, in the Premier League now and things like that. So, yeah, tennis players, athletics, myself. The, re- the, reason I ask, the reason I ask is because I think you are a product of your environment completely. Mm. And I just think that when you see what you often find, when you see one world champion in one sport, you look at the year group that they're surrounded by the most of the time. And there is the Premier League football player, there is the basketball player, there is the other sports. And it's very much like a hotbed of talent and people wonder why it all seems to come from one group. And I just believe there's something in that in terms of like you are, you you tend to be fired on and wired on what you're surrounded by and, the, and, your, and that environment that's created in that sporting narrative. And obviously with the city, like Birmingham and all that stuff that you're from around West Brom and all that, that is, that, that seems to, 
happen quite a lot from quite a few few different areas of schools where you get a year group that's just full of talent. Yeah. Did yeah, you I ever think, think about that? At the time, I didn't. I just thought, you know what, this is a cool school because everyone's trying to be the best at what they're doing. Um, but looking back, we definitely would have been pushing each other to be better, just wanting to be better, whether that was in school, out of school. You know, you just wanted to achieve more. Like, my maths partner was Jan Danda, who went on to play for Liverpool, um, Swansea, and things like that. So, you know, we're sat there doing maths, but... He's an absolute baller. Yeah, he's a baller. I'm I'm a, I'm a flipper. <laughs> and we're just talking about, like, our lives outside of school and wanting to be better people. Yeah, mate, because I, I, I remember... We're, we're, See, one th- we were meant to do the podcast the other week, right? Yeah. And you ring me, and I felt fucking sick when you told me because obviously you told me that you'd hurt yourself, like with, you got something wrong with your stomach, and I'm like, fuck, fuck the podcast, mate. Just go, go get well, and then you send me a picture of you in hospital, and I'm thinking, no, bro, like no, bro, D- like not before the Commonwealth Games, surely not. And obviously, you you had what was it? What was you had wrong with it? You were- so my appendix had ruptured. So I was in the gym. Normal Wednesday morning, and my appendix ruptured, and I was I was rushed to hospital, had it out, um, so it, it meant I had to have a week off training. Um, yeah, a week, a week. <laughs> he makes out like that's a long time. Yeah, a week. I promise, it felt like four. I was I was like itching to get back in the gym, but once once that week was over, I I don't like you say I'd already visualised the fact that I was going to come back. And one of my training partners came round to my house and said, no one doubts you'll be back. We all know you'll be back in time, so don't even worry. Well, no, the thing I was going to say was the fact of not only were you so positive throughout that, I think I was more worried about it than perhaps you even let on that you were worried about it at the time. But not only that, it's like, you you, you, you like, ah, oh, look, I'm sorry to let you down for the podcast. I'm like, bro, you're not letting me down, man. But it's like, you know, is there anything I can do? And I'm like, mate, you know, I just... You know, if you know anyone else that might want to be on the podcast, and then, and then you started to do what what is your best skill, which people don't realise is your best skill is because you've you've grown up with so many people and you're connected to so many people. You're like one of the best connected people I know. <laughs> I, I thought I was good guys booking podcasts. This guy is relentless. He, <laughs> he put me in conversations with people. I was like, fucking hell, man. He's like, I'll, I'll introduce this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And hopefully some of these guys come on in the future. I'm not going to mention no names on here, but I was just, I was just blown away by the fact that you're lying in a hospital bed on your back with a, you know, ruptured appendix thinking you know you do, at this point you don't know wh- whether yeah. you're going to be you don't you don't know where you're going to be do you mm. at this point in time you're laying there and you're helping me and that just goes to show your character as a human mate and i just want to celebrate you for that on here because i i just thought this kid's gonna win like not not that you're a kid but i'm saying this yeah. guy's gonna win it life because the way that you carry yourself is it's abundantly clear to me that 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 you can't teach that you cannot fucking teach that so i really appreciated that no, and you. and i'm glad that you come out are you feeling now like you're the you're the best that you you've ever been not yet but i feel like i'm very much on the way there you know i before the appendix went i was feeling in a really good position moving forwards and i know this is a big year for me with potentially three major competitions, which doesn't happen in gymnastics. So, uh, and two of them being in the UK. 
So I, I, I always want to put myself in a position where I can give my all and and I knew that the appendix would have a, a major impact on me. But the first day I got back in the gym, I was doing a pommel routine and I'm making, I'm making these steps forwards and everyone's looking at me like, how on earth is he doing it? I said, I've got, I've got to do it for myself. I've got to do it and it doesn't hurt. I'm going to make, I'm going to make it happen. I'm just going to make it happen. And that, that's kind of what, how I handle myself throughout do you, life. Do you, do you think the appendix and, and that little, and that has, has kind of just taken all the pressure off you even more because like, you know, no one's expecting, like you can, no one was expecting you back in training that week. So people might even underestimate you now when you go into this competition because you might think, oh yeah, there's appendix. Da, 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 da. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. do you think do you think that's kind of took even more pressure for you? Just and because you because you you are a guy who performs best when he's at enjoyment. You're the most dangerous fucker <laughs> when you're enjoying yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're just going out there, you're just going out there to train and enjoying yourself. You're a dangerous man when that happens. It's true. Really, when you think about it. No, yeah. Like, the first thing I thought was, I'm just going to enjoy this journey back to full fitness. And one of my targets on my, in my room is be fully fit. So when I when I eventually get the pen out and I tick that, everyone needs to watch out. <laughs> how, how far away do you think you are? I think I'm very much on the way. And by the time the Commonwealth Games is here, I feel like I'll, I'll be there. I'll I'll be the Joe Fraser that everyone knows and loves. Yeah, mate, mate. Honestly, like, I, I, I believe that you, that, that it's there, bro. It's, it's there. I just think you just gotta go out and enjoy, enjoy yourself. Like, there's just, like you say, when you embrace it and you enjoy it, I think it flows, and I think that's when you're just gonna be it. And I think you talking about before how you just step out there and you feel it and you embrace that whole situation. I think that is beautiful because so many I know so many athletes in different sports that have been at the pinnacle and they can't even fucking remember it because they're so wrapped up in the other shit that they've that the moment that they've worked for their whole life is now just a piece of footage on a video and they can only remember it from the video they can't remember it in the physical and that's so sad to hear that yeah because there's so many athletes that go through that definitely Definitely. Do you think, think that all comes down to the coaching as well? Um, I think it's probably personal because I've spoke to obviously people that have come before me and they have always tried to tell me, enjoy enjoy the competition, you know, enjoy it while you're there because you don't get those opportunities often. And I at first I was thinking, Well, yeah, I'm enjoying it but I'm 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 competing. And then I kind of realised what they kind of meant and how they meant to be present because there's probably many a time I'll say to they'll say to me, "Oh, you remember that Europeans when you did this?" And I'm like, "No, what? What are you on about?" And I'm then I have to see a video and I'm like, "Oh, crazy! I don't even remember doing doing that skill or taking that step." And it's like, why don't I remember that? <laughs> Like other people remember it, why don't I remember it? And, and that's because you're competing against someone else rather than just being present. Exactly, like you, you think you're always competing against yourself, but you, you're forgetting what you're actually doing, and that's why you're not present, and that's why you probably are making mistakes. Yeah, it, there's a there's a lot dawning on me right now throughout this podcast, actually, 
in in regards to my own life where it's like sometimes I've not been present with my family while I've been in England mm. because I'm thinking about what I'm doing the podcast over here or doing this over there, doing this over there. And I think it's really important from what you've just said that when I'm with family, I'm with family and when I'm podcasting, I'm podcasting and when I'm doing something else, I'm doing something else. Because we've all, we've all got to see the wood for the tree. So it speaks so we've all got to, mm. we've all got to have things pointed out to be able to see it. And I think a lot of, a lot of this is resonating with me. I know a lot of it's going to hit a, hit the audience at the right time and, and, and make it should really you guys that are listening to this should really be thinking about how many times in your own life right now are you not present when you should be present whether that be with your family whether that be in your business whether that be in your other goals like and you know are you actually fucking enjoying it is it does it actually light you up because if it doesn't it's you're kind of kicking your ball against the wrong wall for a long long time for no for no reason sometimes people get tied into the money thing but then you can make money out of um what lights you up and what you're most passionate about you'll always find a way you know so i think it's very important this presence thing that joe goes on about because it's it's just something that sticks out to me so much throughout this honestly so what's the goal for you other than obviously meddling and going to the what's 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 the goal what's your other goals outside of the sport for your own personal growth Oh, so I've I've actually started writing these down because most of my goals are related to my gymnastics career, but my gymnastics career is bigger than just me competing. So I've always said I want to increase the amount of in, involvement in the sport. I want more kids to get into the gymnastics. Um you know, I'm, I'm at the minute. I'm still living at home. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to move out. I want to take that next step and, you know, spread my wings a little bit. I mean, I know I live here basically anyway, but <laughs> I, I want, I want more. I want more. Um, I want, I want to start my own business in, in the sport, and I want my own gymnastics club. I. I I think because I love the sport so much, there'll be different avenues I can take to, you know, stay involved and get the most out of it. How do you manage then doing doing deals for with brands and doing obviously paid work and getting in cash flow so that you can not only facilitate your sport, but facilitate funding these businesses that you want to do on the back end and creating your own brand? How have you, how have you structured all that? Well, I, I'm really lucky to have had the sponsors I've had over the years. You know, you've had the likes of Paul Richardson on the on the podcast, and he's been a great su- support I've had over the years since I was a young young boy. You know, he's he's believed in me since how long, I how was. How long has Paul sponsored you then for? Well, he he got me into Gymshark in 2015, so I was I was only 16 at the time. Um, and in the grand schemes of things, I hadn't actually done too much within my sport, but he, he could see the, the inner values I had and where I wanted to go. And I'm just really grateful to have had people along the journey that have, could see where I wanted to go and where I wanted to take it and were willing to, you know, support me on that journey. And I've, there's numerous people I could talk about along that journey that feel, feel a part of it 
give them give, give a mention just so just so people can well, understand well you've got like the different sponsors that I've had you know Gymshark Jacuzzi Noco um, Sky you know I've and my, my Sky mentors are Tony Lester and um, Johnny Nelson who you know when I've had problems in, in the sport, they've been involved in the sport of sports for so long. They've seen it before and they know how to handle it. And I think Johnny's, Johnny would be a phenomenal mentor to have because Johnny Nelson, for, for those of you that know and don't know, obviously boxer, lost a hell of a lot of pro fights before he won anything, before he won a pro fight, and then went to come back from these losses um, started winning and then went on to become a world champion mm-hmm. you know fighting some absolute beasts on the way to get there too like he is someone that's come like you when you talk about losing that first competition when you were not in national competition he's he had so much adversity throughout his career like the wisdom that you can get from sitting down with johnny and just talking about any form of high level sport is a mad mad to have that how do you how do you go about getting um introduced to these people um, so a few of them have came from off the back of competitions. So my first senior British championships, um, we had the people from Sky that had came to watch the competition and they were really impressed with the way I'd competed. And then we got speaking about the, the sp- scholarship program. Um, Jim Shark, of course, Paul Richardson, he he was the one that kick-started that for me. And the others have come off the the back of um, the Olympics or other success I've had over the career with my agent or elsewhere. So I'm I'm just really grateful that people could believe in myself and my my journey as much as they believed in my gymnastics. Because some of the times I might have been injured and these people have stayed by me throughout those injuries and not thought, oh, he, he's not going to come back from this. Or, you know, like, they they believed, no, Joe's Joe's going to Joe's gonna continue. This isn't the end of, of Joe Fraser. So, yeah, I think I'm, re- I'm just grateful to have had those people that have made those 1%, 1% differences in my career. And they all add up. They, they, all, they, add up. they all seriously add up. So how important to you is having... Um, having a mentor, whether it be an official mentor or someone who just gives you that little bit of life advice, how how much of a difference has that made in your life then? So, so much. And I've got so many people I would call for different situations. Like my coach has had such an impact on me over the years. You know, we've been together since 2008 and arguably I've spent more time with him than my parents have with me over the last 15 years so you know any kind of situation I'm in I I know I could go to him because he's got my best interest at heart and he he'll he wants he wants to see me win so regardless of how how he feels or how I feel about something I know he'll give me his best opinion on on whatever that might be and of course I've got Johnny and Tony who Tony I speak to still to this day and the scholarship program ended in 2020 so you know I'm, I'm I've got these people that weren't just around for the period that they were meant to be they believe in my career long past that and want to see 
success continue for the for the rest of the career yeah yeah and, and i think that's so important to know that people have your have your back and and you know you want to want to want to support and facilitate but do you do you ever um you know i suppose have do you have someone that that looks over you know obviously or teaches you these kind of contracts because obviously when you're getting represented by lots of brands and lots of brand partnerships obviously there's contracts involved you have to sign on things on the dotted line you've only got a sh- a relatively short window at the top level of your career where there might be like 10 years or 8 years at the top level where you can potentially earn some revenue from from all the fucking 20 years hard work at the back end is it is there someone that mentors you and, and guides you in terms of looking over that to make sure that you get looked after in terms of the right image rights so that you can go and facilitate having your own gym at the back end of your sport and all that kind of stuff yeah so you know the management company i've been with they've they've been with me for three four three or four years now and it's it's elton john's uh company so it's rocket rocket management and i don't know if you've seen rocket man but he he kind of got done over by his agent in 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 his career and he didn't want that for people moving forward so he started up the the management company for you know the entertainment industry music industry and and the sports industry have you ever met him no so i haven't actually met him because obviously most of the period was throughout covid um but he goes to the christmas dues and things like that so i'm hoping to, hoping maybe this year, yeah, maybe you, this year. you might you might be there singing a christmas song with elton john <laughs> mate like, imagine imagine if your next career is in is you and elton john do a duet or something like man, oh it, yes it, or i get him in the gym yeah, yeah on the high bars yeah but isn't that amazing how how you see there, there's a there's a perfect example in life like Elton John gets 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 fucked over on a contract, loses a lot of money, but by that bad seemingly bad thing that happened, has saved thousands of athletes and and professional singers and everything else, hundreds of thousands, of millions of pounds because now he's got an agency that facilitates that not happening to other people. And the reason I say that is because. So many of us in life look at adversities uh, as if there's bad things happening to us, and really, we don't. It might be perceived bad in that moment. You know, you rolling over on that ankle might be perceived as bad, but you rolling over on that ankle might keep you in the gym fifteen minutes longer. But if you got on the road fifteen minutes earlier, you could have been t-boned by another car and lost your life. This is what people don't realize that everything happens for a reason. And and the sooner you start believing in that, I think the sooner your life becomes a hell of a lot freer for you. Because I, I've just known it from from my whole life that everything is for a reason. Definitely. Everything, mate. I'll give you an example, right? Yeah. I left my wallet. I went to I went to record a podcast with Al Barrett the other day, right? Al Barrett is he owns Grenade. You you probably know him well. Paul Richardson is friends with him too. I've left my wallet at his house, right? I think I've let I, I thought I'd left my wallet and my phone and this that and the other. Ra 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 ra. So I get home. I come into this podcast, right? I know how much fuel I got in the tank. I don't know. Have I got enough fuel to get here and back? I don't know. But I'm not going to miss out on this podcast. I'm just going to figure it out. Yeah. I thought, don't worry. I got a tenner, right? I got a tenner in pocket. Bearing in mind, only because I haven't got Apple Pay connected to the watches and stuff, right? Because I thought my Australian phone was at his house, right? So I get on the road to this thing, right? 
I pulled in at Chorley Services. Like Chorley Services is on the way to, to where we are right now, Lillishaw, right? I pulls in at Chorley Services. I gets out the car. No word of a, this is how fucking mad the universe is, right? Someone comes up to me and goes, Look, mate, from Belgium. He goes, I don't know how to ask this and I feel guilty. But me and my wife are in the car and I got my four kids with me. And my card's not working, and it's in Belgium, and it's that and the other. And I just need some fuel to get to there, to be able to do this, do this, this, this. And I'm like, mate, I'm just reaching my pocket. Here's this tenor that I don't, that I'm like, do you know what? That I'm being tested right now. The universe, I believe in the universe, right, mate? I seriously do. I, I thought the universe is testing me. It's testing me to see if I will give what what is now my last £10, because I've got no other way of paying for anything, Here's my ten pounds. Like, do you know what I mean? Here's mate. Like, that's all I've got. Like, good luck on your journey. I'm sure you'll get a few more miles down the road. Someone else will give you what you need to get to get home. Cool. But it's it. It I was, and then I come here and I got to get here and I, I, I. We're doing this podcast. The reason I tell that story, right? It's so profound to me, Joe. Right? How there's always someone out there. When you think you're you think you're in a bad position, there's always someone in a worse position, right? There's always someone that needs something from you or someone you can help when even when you feel like you're at your worst or your lowest or 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 your most disadvantaged, there's always someone out there that's, that needs it or more than you need it. And if you can give it, just give it because I'm sure I'll be able to get home all right. I'm sure fuck it, it'll work out. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Because like if, imagine, imagine if I'd fucking been tight and not given him that, right? And then I'd have fucking ended up broken down or all sorts of shit would have started fucking happening because, because you stop the flow. You stop the flow of goodness by, by, by limiting yourself because I just, I just massively believe in it, guys. And I think it's something that you should just allow to flow, man. And that's, that's just one fucking example. I don't know. Have you heard any mad examples in your life where you've kind of had this, where where you kind of the energy's kind of flown like that. It's like what what goes around comes around, isn't it? Yeah. Like you know, there's been times keeping it gymnastics related, I might have put a pad in so that someone didn't hit their head on the metal bar. And then they might push the pad in for me when I needed it pushing in so I didn't hit the head my head on the bar. And without that, I might have been scared of that skill for the rest of my career and never done that and that would have meant it's like an ongoing thing and then you might not have ever yeah. competed that skill at the Olympics and that might have stopped you from getting a medal. Yeah, I saw that so. I, saw, I saw that pad thing actually. That was mad. Because obviously when you're doing a high, the, the the parallel bars or the un, or the whatever the the high bar. High bar. You're doing you're flipping at such a velocity. Your coach did it once. I saw it on Instagram. Yeah. He pushed it in and you hit the bar and then hit the floor. But if you hadn't pushed it in, you'd you'd have cracked your rib open or something, cracked your head open. I thought, fuck me, that's fantastic because that is a, that is the true skill where you are working as a team. You you look after each other. You stop it because you are reliant on someone else. Because if you make that tiny tiny mistake, yeah. it just it just can just change the course of your whole fucking career. It really can. So, and, and I don't think anybody would be able to live with themselves for not pushing in the pad. Yeah. I'm sure there's athletes out there that are kind of like those jealous ones in other countries and stuff that, that don't push it in, but it comes back to hurt them in the future too by not doing it. I'm sure I'm sure there's things that have come around like that, but just goes to show you, doesn't it? Like the whole, everything's connected, 100%. Oh, yeah, definitely. 
definitely. It's like the house chains when you when you're trying to buy a house and you have to wait for someone else to buy a house and then they have to wait for someone else. So it's always everything everything in life we're all connected one way or another, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think there's I think there's a bigger energy at, uh, energy at play from from everything I've read and and looked over and stuff. It's like when I was younger and uh, and a different part of my life where I was selfish in certain areas of my life that's why other areas of my life weren't flowing either and it's only when you look back and you realize it you kind of look you you kind of see fuck man that's that's what stopped the flow of money that's what stopped the flow of goodness in my life that's that's what you know because you get tested don't you the world the world's the world's only going to test you with things that you to see how you react so that you can accentuate because we're all here on the planet right to to go through a fucking journey of self-discovery is that something you believe or i definitely believe we're all on a journey and you know what we what we achieve on that journey is up to us really so yeah i i just want to enjoy every part of it i guess being present is part of that and i guess we are on a a journey of self-discovery because yeah we're here doing it man we're here doing it (laughs) but mate honestly two weeks to go two weeks to go gold medal round your neck standing (laughs) on that podium how's it gonna feel it'll be a dream come true it'll be a dream come true you know with the commonwealth games being in birmingham you know i've grown up there lived there my whole life i'll visualize the night before i'll give my all in the next two week period and I'll I'll enjoy every moment I get out there. If at the end that that results in a gold medal or two or three or four, that would be the icing on the cake. But for now, I'm just focused on the process, and we'll see where that journey takes us. And if you if you're checking if you had to check out the planet tomorrow, right? And you you got no you got no you can't take none of the money, none of the fame, none of the medals, none of your family with you. But you could just leave some pearls of wisdom for the audience to take away and implement in their life what what would those pearls be from your experience for me it would be to to stay present to enjoy the moments you have here because you know sadly we're not here forever so you know you want to you want to enjoy those moments so that you can share your wisdom and the moments you've had with others so they can then implement them into their lives and you know, you've started off one of those chains and before you know it, you spread positivity from your generation to seven generations to come. So, you know, enjoy enjoy the moments you have right now. Mate, that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. I love I love the I love the way that you've put it into a chain reaction and how that and how that rolls on. And maybe maybe, you know, maybe, you know, giving someone that smile today, maybe, you know, help opening that door for someone who's not had the best start to the day, maybe that changes 10 other people's days because that person goes and acts better for another person and for another person and another person. So I believe, I believe like you, it all, it all rolls on. It all rolls on. Joe, mate, I just want to say, you are one of the fucking nicest guys in the fucking game. I swear down, mate. Like the, the bearing in mind, I've known you for a short period of time. You've, always tried to fucking help me like you've always gone out of your way for me ever since i ever since i've known you for the short amount of time that i have and i really fucking appreciate it 
I really do, mate. I mean that. And I just want people at home to know how selfless you are with that because I think that's a massive skill, mate. That's so underrated and undervalued on, on a pivotal level, mate, and I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for your time during your training to do this, man. No way. Because we are I so fucking close, man. And, and mate, you are going to smash this. Swear down. Swear down. I've seen it. I've fucking seen it. But guys, that is Joe Fraser. He's a, he's an absolute legend. Weapon, a weapon of a sportsman. Weapon of a sportsman. And I honestly believe, like I said on here before, Joe is going to medal hard at this at this com games and on from that too you'll be seeing a lot of joe fraser but do me a solid favor guys do me a solid favor here give us a like on youtube spotify apple drop comments uh drop reviews on apple share it with all your friends share it with all the joe fraser fans drop me and joe a message let us know how you resonate with this i hope you got some pearls of wisdom from it i hope you pull out of this what you need to pull out of it and i hope this content genuinely adds some value to your to your days and to your lives so you can go and implement it and implement those those one percents that joe's talking about really focus on the fact of of joe's persistence in saying the word presence today and how important presence is in your life and just make sure that you are present with your families and your friends and if you're at Nando's with your mates, be at Nando's with your mates is essentially what we're saying. And uh, I love I love that because it's so fucking simple. And everybody loves simple. So much love, guys. See you soon. Peace. Don't forget to subscribe to the Frankie Lee Podcast.